Are you dealing with the trials of a difficult marriage or going through a separation or divorce? Welcome to the club, friend. Life is messy and it can be hard. I'm Jen Zingmark, a Christian life coach, and I have good news for you. There is a path to find hope, healing, and happiness, no matter what your circumstances are, and I can help you find joy in your journey. So let's go. I am thrilled to announce the opening of my exclusive life coaching program, Faith-Filled Divorce. If you want to learn how to thrive in divorce without doing it alone, losing your faith, or giving up on your dream life, then Faith-Filled Divorce is for you. In my exclusive life coaching program, you will get the support, tools, and encouragement you need to find hope, healing, and happiness in your divorce journey and create the joy-filled life you dream of. Enrollment is open now. Go to LDSDivorce.com to join and get all the details. Jody Moore is the LDS life coach who's helped tens of thousands of Latter-day Saints find direction, purpose, and enjoy lives that are better than happy. And I am honored to have her here with me on the podcast today. Welcome, Jody. Thank you, Jen. What a lovely introduction. Thanks for having me. <laughs> sure. I am so excited to have you here with me. And I can't wait to tap into your expertise to help my listeners who are dealing with divorce gain perspective and learn some new strategies to use when navigating divorce as a Latter-day Saint. And I know you haven't been divorced, but you are a seasoned life coach who's helped many, many people deal with unexpected disappointments and challenges of all kinds, not just divorce. divorce. I've coached on it a lot. Yeah. Yes. I'm sure. And I have experienced a lot of unexpected disappointment in my life as well. So there's that. Yes. (laughs) That's a plus. And the name of your podcast and your book, which I will just say, I love both. I am a big fan of both of those is better than happy. So tell us what could be better than happy. What does that mean? Right. Oh, yeah. I named it that because I think happiness is a good goal. I don't think there's anything wrong with it. But sometimes we elevate it, right? We say things like, it doesn't matter how much money I make. I just want to be happier. It doesn't matter, you know, how you look as long as you're happy. Your grades don't matter as long as you're happy. Like we sort of make it the um, the ultimate. Like if you're happy, then you've really won. And I'm all for happiness. But I think that unintentionally what we've done with that message is tell people that if they're not happy, if they're struggling, then they're doing something wrong. And I don't think that's true. I think that the human experience is meant to be both happy and sad, uh, both joy and struggle. And not only is that natural and healthy and normal, but it's actually how we create our best life. Because if I'm going to learn and grow and have awesome romantic relationships and set big goals and whatever it is that I want to be able to experience the joyful parts of life also come with, at least at times, discomfort, struggle, trial. And so I think that our best lives actually come from embracing both the joy and the pain. And that whole life is what I call a better than happy life. There is a lot of happiness, but it's not just happy. Just happy is actually pretty boring. Oh, that's awesome. I love it. I think that's so beautiful. So over the course of your career, coaching many, many people on 
I can't even imagine all the different topics and things you've addressed. What would you say is the most valuable thing you've learned as a life coach? Oh, God, that's a big question. Mm. Um, There's two things. One is that I have learned both for myself and for my clients that when we try to give the credit for our experiences to outside circumstances, we lose power, we lose joy, we lose the ability to get what we want. We win, we succeed, we create our best lives when we keep the ownership over our experience. So that doesn't mean that we're able to control all the circumstances in our lives. Sometimes we might we might suddenly find that we're getting divorced, right? Or we might have a health diagnosis or we might have a child that's struck. Like there's all kinds of things that I'm not saying you should blame yourself for everything that happens in your life, but you should own that your experience of all of that and some of that, some of, some of the results in our lives we create, when you keep the ownership over all of it, you actually gain leverage and authority in your life. So it doesn't feel that way at first. When I, I first um, start working with people, they want to tell me why it's because of uh, their husband, for example, mm-hmm. that they can't find happiness, or it's because they're going through a divorce that they can't get to peace. And I say, listen, the answer is to take ownership. I'm struggling because of the way I'm thinking about this trial. So that's the first thing. But the second thing that has to go along with it is to know that it's okay to struggle. Kind of like we were talking about with better than happy. Sometimes I teach people, no, you're creating this challenge for yourself with the way you're thinking about it. And what they think I'm saying is, so you shouldn't be doing this. You should just change the way you're thinking about it and feel better. Sometimes that is an option, but many times it's either just not available right away or it doesn't even make sense. Of course, when I go through certain challenges in life, I want to grieve. I want to be mad. I want to be sad. I want to be frustrated I or I need to allow myself. So it's both owning your experience and then having compassion and curiosity for yourself of the experience you're creating, not being in a rush to just like clean it all up and get to happy. Yes. So good. Yes. That's so valuable. Okay. One of the hardest parts of going through divorce for me as a Latter-day Saint was the disappointment and disillusionment that comes from a failed marriage. In the church, we marry in the temple for eternity. So when you're faced with the reality of a marriage ending in divorce, it can be really difficult to stay hopeful and optimistic about your future after divorce. What is your advice for men and women in this situation? Yeah. Well, first of all, I think that I want to just be really clear that these are individual personal situations. And so I don't mean to generalize all divorce fits into one category. I know you're not saying that either, but I just want to be clear that there's a lot of nuances and, um, mm-hmm. and so you have to take it on a case by case basis. But the first thing I always recommend is that we take a look at the way you're describing your current situation, right? So for example, I wrote down when you said failed marriage, mm-hmm. the, when I, one of the things you said that I think about with when my marriage failed was this. Mm-hmm. And so we just like to pause and go, wait a second. Do we want to call it a failed marriage? Do we want to think of it as my marriage failed? Maybe you do. Okay. Mm -hmm. I personally don't think marriages ever fail because saying a marriage has failed implies that there is success. And I just think that marriage just is what it is. It's both hard and amazing. Right. And some marriages are eternal and some were never meant to be. So So I think that the doctrine we have around eternal marriage is awesome, but also kind of scary 
Mm-hmm. I'll be honest. Like, <laughs> yes. Even, yes. Even just the idea of living as an eternal being kind of scares me. I'll be honest. I, I can't even wrap my head around that. And I think it sounds kind of frightening. Yeah. I like to think that once I'm not in my human form, that I will understand it and embrace it and it will be amazing. But right now as a human, eternity sounds like a really long time. Yeah. To we can grasp that. Or be married. But at any rate, I think the doctrine is amazing and beautiful. This, this doctrine of eternal marriage. I don't think it means that all marriages are meant to be eternal. I think that some marriages were meant to be temporary experiences that we have in this life where maybe we each learn something from each other, even if what we learn is what we don't want or what, where we need to take a different path. Um, But I think that just some marriages complete themselves Mm -hmm. in this lifetime and some will be eternal. So I would just question for anybody that's calling it a failed marriage, if that's serving you to to think about it that way. Because mm-hmm. if so, I give you permission to stop thinking of it and stop talking about it that way and just start thinking of it as a marriage that ended, that completed, even if you weren't expecting that, even if you didn't want that. Right. And that maybe it was always meant to be that way. And even when we go went through the temple and we talked about eternal marriage, we were wrong about this marriage. We thought this marriage would be eternal, but it was never meant to be that way. Right. Yeah. I think that's where your perception of reality, your hopes and your dreams kind of runs right into the reality of this isn't what I thought it was. I thought it was eternal. I thought this was it and it's not. And I think that's where we do the work, right? (laughs) And and again, I want to be sensitive to the fact that that's disappointing. That can be downright devastating and heartbreaking. And I'm not suggesting again, that we would want to deny ourselves the grief of mourning what we thought was that no longer is right. Mm -hmm. That's natural and healthy. But this is what people always say to me. Well, how do I know if I should like change the way I'm thinking about it? Or if I just need to let myself still feel the feelings and process them and grieve it. And I say, at some point you'll get tired of yourself. Mm -hmm. You'll get tired of feeling this way. You'll get tired of thinking about it. You'll get tired of hearing yourself talk about it. Uh That's when you come to a coach, the kind of coaching I do, and you say, help me take a look at this. And I say, right. you're, guess what? Your marriage didn't fail. Right. You thought that all along. It's fine that you've been thinking that, but you were wrong. Your marriage was never going to be eternal. It was always going to end when it did. Nothing's actually gone wrong here. And right. that can set you free from spinning on the past and mm. then allow you to start creating the future that you want. Instead. Right. Once you can accept that that wasn't a failure, then you can sort of open up again to the hope of next time could be different. Next time could be exactly what I want. Right. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. What do I want to create now? Right. The future is tough to think about. It's harder, I should say, for any of us, especially adults after about mid twenties to thirties, it's harder for us to think about the future than it is to think about the past. Okay. I -hmm. notice kids aren't quite this way. Like my teenage daughter is constantly thinking about her future. Where is she going to go to college? You know, what's life going to be like in the future? Once we hit a certain point in our life, we kind of don't know how to think about the future as well anymore. We think more about the past. Right. And especially if we're going through something challenging and disappointing, like a divorce, the brain wants to just replay the past. What went wrong? Whose fault was this? What, right? Why this isn't fair or whatever. But when you choose to redirect yourself to the future, it's going to be a blank slate. That's why it's so hard for the brain to think about. It doesn't have any memories to draw on. It doesn't like a blank piece of paper. If I hand you a blank piece of paper, I'm like, go ahead and draw anything you want. 
Right. You'd be like, what? We'd much prefer somebody go here, draw me a, a picture of some mountains and a sunset. Right. Even if we can't draw, we would much prefer that than me just go, here's blank piece of paper. Go ahead. Mm-hmm. So the brain is going to resist that. Um, but if you decide to make peace with the past, right? If you decide like, oh, nothing went wrong there. It was always meant to go that way. It's nobody's fault. It's all of our fault, whatever. You get to peace about it. Then your brain doesn't have to keep spinning on it. Right. And you can go, what do I want my life to look like in a year? What do I want my life to look like in five years? Um, what do I want to create in my life? What do I want to work towards? What goals do I want to set? Whether they be relationship goals or health goals or money goals or whatever else, give yourself a future to start trying to create. And then your brain can stop looping on the past. Yes, that is so good. Yeah, I was going to bring that up because many times, many of my clients and listeners, they say my marriage ended, now I'm divorced or even their family of origin. Like I didn't grow up with a two-parent home that stayed married. And so I don't have an example to follow is sort of the line of thought. How can I hope to have this happy marriage and this happy family or ideal situation in the future if I don't have that in my past? And I love what you said about even if you don't have that, you can decide, I want to create that and work towards it in the future. Yes. And this is both somewhat overwhelming to to us and the best news ever that it literally is a blank piece of paper. Like uh, Dan Sullivan, who's a a business coach, he always says the future is real estate that you already own. (laughs) What do you want to build on it? You already own it. You can build whatever you want on that land. But we're like, I don't know. I, I, what am I supposed to, my parents didn't demonstrate for me what this could look like. We don't care what your parents did. It doesn't matter at all. What are you kind of interested in? What are you curious about? What do you feel drawn towards? You know, what would be exciting to you? What just sounds fun? And when you allow yourself to explore ideas like that and then set some goals, then you can build anything you want. You don't have to build the same house your parents built. Right. You can make it different because of how your parents built it. You can use that as good information and then make it different on purpose. I love that. And I like what you pointed out, how children naturally have that. Like they don't really assume any imposed limits. They're just like, oh, I can be anything or I can draw anything. And I think you're right. As adults, we don't seem to have that perspective. We seem to be limited by what's happened in the past or what we've known. And it's, you know, it takes a little bit of work to get over that. Moving on to a little bit different topic. Something that a lot of my clients and listeners struggle with is that divorce can mean a lot of changes all at once, like going to work and maybe you haven't already been working or moving and finding a new place to live and shared custody and visitation and spending half the time with your children. A lot of life changes all at once. How do you recommend people navigate that? Yeah, such a good question. So our brains do not like intense amounts of change all at once. They don't, they don't prefer it, but we are capable of it. I do have a really good strategy for this, but I just want to say again, first and foremost, don't be hard on yourself. If it's hard, don't beat yourself up. If you're a little bit less patient, a little bit snappier, a little bit less, like you're probably not going to be your best self during these kinds of transitions. And when you feel guilty and ashamed and judge yourself for it. You only make it harder to move out of that cloud. So Mm -hmm. you have to be very compassionate. Sometimes I'll even explain to the people around me, listen, 
I'm having a really hard time right now. I apologize. I don't mean to be short with you. I'm sorry. I'm not as available, you know, for whatever, please forgive me for what I said earlier. This is hard for me too. Just like I know it's hard for you. Right. So like be, uh, be compassionate with yourself, be open with others about it. That's first. Um, Next thing though, and I, I have a sister who just moved with her family. It was kind of a big move. Her kids are at ages where it feels like they're leaving all their friends and figuring out schools and all that. And she's, she's right in the thick of all this. And I was just talking to her about this yesterday about how challenging this is. And what we talked about is how you really have to shorten your lens length. And it's tough to do because your brain wants to figure out, well, how is this going to work in the end? How am I going to support my kids from now on? You know, I've coached a lot of divorced women or women who've lost their husbands to death and other things, right? Who'll say like, well, I have these kids, you know, they're, I have this eight-year-old. What am I going to do when he wants to go on a mission and I don't know how to prepare or what things that I'm like, right. wait, he's, he's eight. <laughs> We're already worried about when he's 18. Okay. Right. Like this is right. what the brain does. It wants to try to figure out the rest of your life or at least right. a lot further out. The problem is we can't answer those questions yet because we don't have all the information we need. We don't even know what the actual challenges will be exactly. And we don't know what resources we'll have to pull from or what support we'll have or what. I always say it's like trying to do a 500 piece puzzle, but I just gave you 25 random pieces and you don't have the box cover. And I'm like, where do you think these are going to fit? And your brain's like, ah, I don't know. Yes. (laughs) I love that analogy. So right. what I say is like, of course you can't do that puzzle yet. There's right. no way. So all we're going to do is shorten the, our lens. Like all we actually have to figure out is the next moment. Sometimes when things are really intense, it's just one day at a time. I told my sister this, I'm like, I like to just break it up by meals. Like if I notice myself go to stress and worry and whatever I pause, I'm like, well, it's one in the afternoon where I am right now. So Actually, all I have to figure out is what are we going to have for dinner tonight? Right. (laughs) If it's nighttime, I'm like, the only thing I need to figure out is breakfast tomorrow. Right. That's it. I like that. Actually, all you ever have to figure out is like the next thing that you need to do to take care of you and maybe your kids if they're involved. Yeah. And that's so doable. Right. When you just take it with what you do know, the puzzle we do have in front of us might be. I want to apply for some jobs or I need to call the schools and find out how to get them in, whatever. There's, there are steps you can take, but those might be the only steps you're aware of that even need taking. So shorten your lens. Like eventually things will settle down and you'll be able to think a little bit longer term again, but until then bring it in tighter. Yes. Such good advice. And I'm glad you mentioned parents because that's another facet of this topic is how do we help our children if you're the parent and you're feeling that stress and pressure of looking far ahead, like, how am I going to do this? How can parents in that situation at the same time help their children with all of those changes? Yeah. I mean, first and foremost, you've got to work on your own self and apply this for yourself. What we do as parents is we try to make our kids feel better and try to help them solve their problems so that we can feel better. Yes. (laughs) Now it's not entirely wrong. Like the motives aren't wrong. It's just sort of manipulative, right? You're like, listen, if you could just feel better and not be worried about school and not be struggling like this, that would be great. So then I could feel better. Of course, we never say that to them, but if that's your motive, you want to pause. I like to encourage my clients to separate out the two things. There's me trying to feel better or me 
trying to have compassion for the struggle I'm having. That is work that I need to do. Then there's me being the parent I want to be, which means I try to support my kids. I try to offer them tools and resources. I teach them things that are important to me. I hold them accountable. Like there's me being the parent. Those jobs are separate. You cannot tie your feeling better about yourself to whether or not your kids are successful or obedient or feeling good. Right. So important. Yes. Yeah. So anyway, you do that work yourself to figure out how am I going to support myself through this challenge? Then when you go to help your kids, you can offer the same things that have helped you, right? Mm-hmm. If I have a kid struggling, first of all, I, I always preface it with, it's totally okay to struggle. Uh, it's okay that it's okay to be sad. Yeah. It's okay that you're stressed. It's okay that you're worried. Yeah. I always want my kids to know it's okay. I love you when you're happy and I love you when you're sad. You don't have to get happy to, to please me. Right. right? I just want to be very clear about that with them. And then I might say, sometimes that's enough. Sometimes just saying it's okay to struggle. You know what? If you need to cry, cry. You want to be afraid? You can be afraid. Mm-hmm. I'm not afraid for you. I'm not saying you're in danger. But if you feel afraid, it's normal. I feel afraid too when I have to go to a new place and I don't know anyone. Right. And, and like really normalizing the emotions. A lot of times kids will work through it on their own. If they seem open to talking more or getting more tools, then I offer them the same things I offer me, right? I say, you know what helps me is I try not to think about next week. I just think about today. What are you going to wear to school today? What should we pack in your lunch today? Right. So good. Bring it back in. Yes. So good. Kids seem to naturally be a little bit better about just thinking like what's for dinner and what are we doing tomorrow? We seem to project, you know, longer as adults, but it does seem to be more natural for them. Yeah. I was just going to say, you know, we talked earlier about kids being so good at thinking about the future. Mm -hmm. And then it's true that they're also better at staying in the present. Two things that all the mindfulness teachers will say are better for us. Focus more on the future than the past and also be present. And it's partly because kids' brains aren't fully developed, right? They don't have the full capacity of their prefrontal cortex until we hit like our mid-20s. And so that prefrontal brain that's better at planning and all of that is an asset to us if we manage it. It's just if it gets out of control, it it can actually create problems for us. So it's just like dialing back a little bit the wise prefrontal brain and just like let yourself be a little more childlike, a little more trusting, a little more playful, a little more future focused. Right. That's such good advice. Okay. Shifting gears a little bit. Many times in divorce, people take sides. They give advice, they make assumptions about who's at fault, and then there's this stigma of being divorced in the church, just being a divorced person as less than. There's definitely some judgment there, and situations come up where married people don't necessarily want you around their spouse, or neighbors don't necessarily want their children to play at your house because it's a single parent at home. Or several of my male clients have said they felt judged or blamed, like it must have been his fault, right? Do you have any tips for how to deal with that negative label of being divorced or how to stay in your own lane and out of other people's business after divorce? Yeah. Yeah. This is, again, a process of managing your own mind, meaning direct your mind to focus on what serves you and direct it away from what doesn't. And you hit it on the head there at the end. It's true. Some people will 
judge you or whatever, label you in their minds, be uncomfortable, have opinions about what went wrong in your marriage. That is the reality of life, whether it be because you're divorced, because you are a working mom, because they just don't like the look of you, whatever. <laughs> like judgment is a real thing. Okay. But it's not useful to try to control it. I find because it's just not doable. You can please one person, you'll disappoint the other. That's just the reality, right? Yeah. So in the end, the work to be done is always on your own relationship with yourself. When you have a solid relationship with yourself, none of that becomes dangerous. It's it's still not great. Like all healthy humans prefer to be loved and accepted by everyone. That is natural, healthy human behavior. So I don't expect anyone to walk around like totally unaffected by what anyone thinks, but it doesn't have to be like a dominant relevant thing in your life. If your relationship with yourself is solid. Okay. So mm -hmm. what I would challenge people to do is ask themselves, do I have a stigma with being divorced? Have I put a stigma on it? Mm. Do I have judgment about either myself or my ex or other people who I see who are divorced or people I see who are married, who maybe I think should get divorced or whatever <laughs> else. Like if I'm walking around with a lot of judgment or I think that there's a stigma behind being divorced, that is my work to do, to embrace all of my situation and decide intentionally how I want to think about it. Because here's the truth. I have a sister who is a member of the church and is divorced and she really did all of this work on herself and there are people who still probably judge her for being divorced and it really doesn't affect her. Mm -hmm. She's like, I'm coming and I'm the divorce lady because she, <laughs> she doesn't have a stigma around it. She doesn't have to hide it. She doesn't act weird about it. I'm not saying you have to share all your business with everyone, but she is a very outgoing, open person mm -hmm. So because she's cleaned up her thoughts about it. And she can even make jokes sometimes about like she bought herself a gift on her divorce <laughs> anniversary. She's like, this is my celebration day. Like that was the right move for me is what she's saying. Right. Then other people tend to respond accordingly, mm -hmm. right? When mm -hmm. we're really embarrassed about it or judging ourselves or blaming our ex or whatever, even if we think we're hiding it, we're acting in a certain way. Other people are picking up on our vibe. So you got to do your own work on it. Listen, this is what I tell myself all the time. Jody Moore, you're not for everyone. It's fine. Yes. You don't need to be for every, we don't need everyone to like, it's okay for people to disapprove of you. Like I just give people permission to judge me. I give people permission to disapprove of me. It's not mine to fix. I, heck, I judge me and disapprove of me half the time. So we have a lot in common. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I know that's easier said than done, but it really is work that can be done. I, I've helped a lot of people to do that work. Yes. So like, valuable. And I really appreciate what you said about accepting it yourself, like your sister. She knows that was what was best for her. So she celebrates it. And I think that has a big impact on how other people perceive you. And like you said, it really doesn't matter what other people think. If you're okay with it, if you've accepted it, you know, it's what's best for you. That's really all that matters. And if you think about an area of your life where you don't feel triggered, like being a member of the church, right? There's a lot of people who have judgment for us because we belong to a religion and we believe in Christ. They think that we're naive. They think that we're brainwashed. But why are we not walking around going, what do I do about all these people that think that religion is just a cult? Yes. Like, I don't even think about it. I know what's out there. I don't love it when somebody comes along and tells me I'm an idiot for being religious. Right. But I'm also like, whatever, dude, that's you. 
Right. Because I so solidly own it and know that it's a great, important part of my life. Right. So that's what it looks like. So if you, if you're not able to be that way about it, then you've just got work to do on your own relationship with yourself. Yes. So good. Okay. Another situation that many people struggle with after divorce is co-parenting with their ex. Obviously this is a person that has a different lifestyle than you different goals, different values. You've separated your life. That's why you separated probably. Yep. Exactly. There's a lot of reasons for that. Many times one person leaves the church, they embrace a whole new lifestyle and the other parent worries a lot about what their children are going to be exposed to when they're with their ex. What is your advice for parents in this situation? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think again, what I would recommend to people is take a look at what is the story that you're telling yourself currently. Most of the people I've coached in this situation are telling themselves a story like, well, I understand that he's going to drink or whatever it might be, but Mm -hmm. I don't want my kids exposed to that. Or, um, of course now all my kids are going to leave the church because it just looks like a lot more fun to go out boating on Sundays than go to church, right? Like a lot of these stories about what's going to happen in the future And my kids, I don't want them having this experience Mm -hmm. is sort of what we're saying. Yes. So what I always do is pause and go, what what if we question that? What if we're wrong about the experience we think our kids are supposed to have? Because we all are. Like, I know what my kids' experience is supposed to be. They should get good grades, make (laughs) friends easily, make it on the sports team, get into the college of their choice, be well-adjusted, meet the perfect spouse that I will pick for them. And then get live happily ever after and have grandkids and live right next door to me. Like it's perfect. Well, I have the same plan, <laughs> right? It's yes. simple people, mm-hmm. but obviously I don't know where we get that story. Cause I don't know one person that has that experience, yeah. right? It's not supposed to be that way. Actually, they're supposed to struggle. They're supposed to suffer. They're supposed to go through challenges and have a lot of success and joy. So when we think my, my kids are not supposed to be around alcohol, they shouldn't have a dad who whatever, or not, maybe they are supposed to have this experience. Maybe they are supposed to have one parent who's like me and another parent who's like the other parent. I think that's true because that is the reality, right? right? So then you can step back from thinking something's gone wrong that we have to control and go, okay, this is the life experience they were meant to have. They were meant to come from a divorced family. So now what do I want to bring to the situation? I can bring panic and fear and judgment because it's loaded with judgment. This self-righteous thing that we do mm-hmm. is, is just full of judgment. Mm-hmm. Am I going to bring judgment? Cause that's not very Christ-like either. Mm-hmm. Right. So or true. am I going to go, all right, I guess they're meant to have me as a mom and him as a dad. So now what, how do I show compassion? And at the same time, doesn't mean I don't have conversations like, Hey, your dad chooses to live his life this way. And I choose to live my life this way. And I want to teach you how, and ultimately you're going to have to choose how you're going to live your life. Like you're going to have conversations around it. Mm -hmm. If you need to protect your children, if they're in harm's way, do everything you can to protect them. I'm not talking about not having boundaries and things, but ultimately they are supposed to have both of you as parents. Yes. It's so hard. I know it's mind blowing. As you were saying that I was realizing so much peace can come from just the acceptance, just the acceptance as a parent that this is the path. I know for me, I was disappointed that that was the life that my children had. I didn't want that for them. 
all these hopes and expectations that I had for myself and to provide a certain type of life for them. That's where those feelings were coming from. But as I worked through accepting, this is the experience that we're both having. We're divorced. I'm divorced. Their parents are divorced. And this is how it's supposed to be. You come to a peaceful, comfortable place as you just accept the reality of what it is. So true. And we think what would be better if we (laughs) hadn't been a divorce, but how do we know? Yes. Who's to say? Byron Katie says, when you argue with reality, you lose, but only every time. (laughs) I love that. So it's like, yes. all right. And it's so true. And yet we do it. We all do it. Yes, it's so true. Well, as you know, my purpose is to help men and women create lives that are full of hope and fulfillment and find joy, even when they're dealing with divorce. And I really like what you said in your book about the difference between happiness and joy, that Mm -hmm. happiness is about what is next and joy is about appreciating everything that you have right here in this moment. I would love to know how you have done this in your life. So my final question for you is, what does finding joy in the journey mean to you? Mm. Yeah, I love the name of your podcast. I just want to be clear that it's ongoing work that I do. It's not yeah. something I've done it. Look at me. I've And I, I don't want anyone to think on the days when it's hard and you're not feeling joy that you're doing it wrong. It's it's a human condition. It requires ongoing maintenance, like physical health requires ongoing nurturing, same with mental and emotional health. But for me, it really is about trying to, in little ways, appreciate my life, appreciate the things that exist around us. Anybody listening to this podcast, it means they have access to some kind of device and internet and maybe some AirPods or something. Like (laughs) we are fine. We have plenty to be grateful for. And the brain just is looking for what's wrong because that sometimes helps us go make the world better. Mm -hmm. But that can also turn into a lot of negativity in our lives when we're constantly looking for what's wrong. So I try in really little ways to appreciate, like whenever I get in my car and drive somewhere, I try to appreciate the trees. And I I try to look at nature through the lens of um, like, you know, when you watch a sci-fi movie or fantasy movie, Mm -hmm. there's all these weird, mysterious creatures and the characters are acting like it's no big deal because that's their world. And I'm like, that that's our world too, actually. We have like <laughs> trees and flowers and birds and insects. And like, if for somebody who doesn't just take it for granted, it's like, wait, what is that? Mm. I, not to that level, but I try to just at least be grateful. Like for the trees along the street that I drive down, I'm like, somebody planted all of those trees years ago. Thanks, whoever did that. Because <laughs> we have these huge trees. Yes. I'm not doing that all day long. Don't get me wrong. But I try to at least once a day, look at my life through a lens like that. And here's the other thing. Sorry, I talk a lot. (laughs) The other thing is every day when I'm brushing my teeth, I make eye contact with myself in the mirror. I say kind things to myself. Sometimes it's just, hey, great job today. You got so much done. I'm so proud of you. Thanks for doing that. Other days it's like, hey, what happened today? Seems like you had a rough day. Is everything okay? What do you need? You know, we can't keep having days like that over and over again, but I'm here. I got you. Is there something Mm -hmm. you need? Like I have a little mini 30 second conversation with myself every day while I'm brushing my teeth. And that is game changing. That's awesome. I love that idea. I haven't heard that before. (laughs) It's the perfect time. You're right there. Yep. That's right. 
Oh, that's so wonderful, Jody. You are an inspiration. Thank you so much for everything yes. you shared and all of your wisdom and insight. It really is terrific. Thank you. Please Jenna. share with my listeners how they can get in touch with you and follow you for more awesome tips. Yeah. Like you said, my podcast is called Better Than Happy, and that's the best place to go and learn more. And also, if you like books, you want to read or it's on Audible, the book is also Better Than Happy. So I'd say check those out. Awesome. Thank you so much, Charity. This You're has welcome. just been wonderful. I've enjoyed every second. This yeah, was thanks, awesome. Jen. Thank you. Thank you. If you're ready to dive deeper into this work and learn the tools and the skills you need to change the trajectory of your life forever, go to ldsdivorce.com and sign up for a free consultation with me. This is just the tip of the iceberg, my friends. There is so much more. I would love to work with you and be your life coach.